Or did you hear about the, the bank robber who had the easiest heist of his life? Uh, he accidentally walked into a bakery instead of a bank and he asked them to hand over all their dough. Uh, he walked off with some delicious pastries that day. Um, the Israelites leaving Egypt is like a bunch of bumbling bank robbers. You know, they had no idea what... It was all God's orchestration that they would leave Egypt in, in good condition, all of them leaving at once, and, uh, and to walk off with the dough, <laughs> to walk off with the loot. Uh, we're told that they plundered Egypt. And yet it was nothing that, he, that the Israelites had done. It was no genius of their own, no smart tactics, no military uprising. It was just that in God's time, in God's hand, through his strength, Pharaoh said, get out of here and take, take as much money as you want. And so they plundered, they plundered Egypt. Friends, we, last week we looked at the Passover as God warned uh, Israel and the Egyptians that he was going to pass through and he wanted he asked the Hebrews to substitute a, a dead lamb and paint the blood on their door frame as a substitute for the firstborn child in the house and so that Israel was saved through faith that they trusted that God said this is how you be saved it'll be through a substitute that you save that was last week's big word the word that ends in shun last week is that is substitution uh, this week, I don't, I don't have a shun word, but uh, this week the, the idea is that they leave Egypt and they leave it entirely. It's time to go. They've, they're going to leave their old life and be fully aboard with being the people of God, to leave and to leave in full. And so uh, you may have uh, received a handout as you came through the door. There's three points that I'm going through today. It's fully saved, fully committed and fully safe. And uh, let's, let's dive in. Uh, to the first, the first point, fully saved. Fully saved. Verse 1 is, uh, is profound. Uh, sorry, verse 41. In chapter 12, verse 41. At the end of the 430 years, to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. What a concise little sentence. What a concise word. What God did on that day was complete exactly what God had set out to do. It was God's plan all along. Uh, you know, they, the, the very fact that they're in Egypt, in slavery, suffering, was all in God's plan. Uh, as we looked in our, in our one service, that one sermon on the story of Abraham, Abraham was told that you are going to receive, a, you are going to be a great nation with great uh, promised land and with many blessings as you live in relationship with me. But it's going to take some time, and you're going to go via a dark place for 430 years. In Genesis 15, verse 13, uh, that was the prediction. So even being in Egypt was in the hand of God. And they left Egypt free to go, no longer slaves to Egypt, and they, in fact, urged to go. If you look at chapter 12, Exodus 12, verse 31, it says, during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go, worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you've said and go and also bless me, says Pharaoh. They're, they're urged to go. They're free to go. They're not escaping. They're released. 
They're released uh, uh, at the will of Pharaoh now. They left with, with the dough. They left with the dough. Quite literally, uh, in verse 12, 34, and verse 39, we're told that they, lit, they, they, they took bread uh, that, had not, that didn't have the yeast in it. Uh, it was unleavened bread because they had, uh, they had to leave straight away. As you're reading these couple of chapters, it's, it's overwhelming how much emphasis is given to this unleavened bread. And you might wonder, why is this so important? But they, they had to leave in such haste. And for years to come, every time they remember the Passover, they need to do it with the unleavened bread because it's a, rem- a meal of remembrance. To remember that this is what happened. We were once slaves and just like that, we were free. Just like that. So quickly, so suddenly. So they left for the dough, both literally uh, and also financially. Verse 12, uh, 12 verse 35 12 verse 35, the, the Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people and they gave, they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. This is the very thing that Pharaoh uh, back in chapter 1 was afraid of. This nation, the Hebrews, are getting so big in number, we need to suppress them. We need to wipe out their lo- the, the younger generation so they won't rise up and become an army and defeat us. Well, this is exactly what's happened. They've, they've plundered Egypt. And they, left com- they leave completely. Our, our verse 41 on the screen there. At the end of the 430 years, at the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. In, in verse 37, we're told that there were about 600,000 men on foot besides the women and children. It's a great number of people. But they're all going, not one left behind. All of them suddenly, physically, leaving with the plunder, and Israel has been fully saved, fully redeemed. They've moved from slave to free. Um, they've been liberated overnight. I hope you've got the idea. How, how quickly, how completely, how suddenly, but how organised by the hand of God that this has happened. It's all by God's strength, power and will. You know, Christians are called to think of such a great uh, movement in our life. As we move from uh, outside a relationship with Christ to being in a relationship with Christ, we need to move completely. Uh, it's suddenly... Christians are called to, to just as radical a change, to leave sin and death behind and receive salvation, fully saved by grace, fully immersed. That's why baptism, one of the, one of the many uh, images of baptism, if you do the, the full immersion, is this image of complete, complete surrender, complete death to the old and rising new as a new creation. As Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, you, you need to be born again. It's a complete new start. It's a fresh start. But it, it is a, a picture of being once like this. In Israel, it was once slaves. You belonged to Pharaoh. You were his. But now you're not. Now you belong to God. And now you're free. In, uh, in, in, in Christian language, as, as Jesus has come and laid down his life on the cross to pay for our sins, to redeem us as a substitute for us, he says, come to me, uh, uh, repent and believe, repent and follow me. And the Bible, the New Testament, describes this as a, as a new beginning, a fresh start. In Ephesians chapter 2, uh, 1 
There we go. Uh, it says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and, and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest of us. There we go. I should read on screen, shouldn't I? Like the rest of us, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Do you see what the image of the Bible gives when we were first uh, born and growing up. All of us, all of us used to live at one stage, gratifying our own desires, following its desires and thoughts like the rest, like the rest, like the whole world. We were deserving of God's wrath. But, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace that you have been saved. I wonder if you understand the concept of grace, that God, not because of your merits, but because of everything that God has done, has, is able to move you from death and sin to new life with Christ. It's not a slight upgrade. It's not a, a, an improvement on your social status. It's not that you are now feeling comfortable inside a church building. It's that you were once living like the rest of humanity, but now you live as Christ as your Lord. You are you're free. You're free from the, all, all of the, all the, the uh, traps and temptations of this world and now free to live with Christ. You are a new creation. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions and sins. Friends, that's the gospel. And, and Israel is now free. What an, what an amazing, amazing event. But then God talks to them about their commitment. You see, they've, they've, left, they've left Egypt. They're now a new people. We're told, as you look at the text, there's some indications that not just Hebrews left. A few Egyptians got on board as well and left with them. Uh, but as a new people, they are to remember. They're to remember the, the, the salvation that God um, gave to them, and this would be the Passover meal that they remember every single year. And God describes it um, over and over again in the Old Testament. But the saved people of Israel need to recall the Passover so they remember the Lord who saved them, that they are a people now because of what God has done. It's his work that has saved them. That's what we remember. And so the, the Passover meal, not, it's not just to be thought of as a religious ceremony, not just something that they do because they have to do it. Because if they don't do it, then God won't love them anymore. Now, they do it to remember that God has shown his love for them and to remember that not to, not to think of them as, 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 as we are strong or we are important, but that it is by grace that we've been saved. And so he talks about uh, there being no fringe, no fringe in the community. Um, verse, verse 48. A foreigner residing among you who wants to celebrate the Lord's Passover must have all the males in his household circumcised. Then he, might, then he may, partake, uh, may take part like one born in the land. You see, there's to be no fringe in this community, no passengers who don't understand the concept of what has made Israel Israel. If you want to bond yourself with this new nation, you need to actually be all in and become like the slaves who are set free. You need to, uh, the males are to be circumcised. 
Admission into Israel requires commitment and understanding. Everyone need, you know, every male to be circumcised, to become one of the saved people. Um, commitment. Uh, if you think of a hot breakfast, who likes hot breakfasts with their, their bacon, their egg? Um, how do you like your egg poached, of course? Uh, think of the, the hot breakfast. The egg is contributed by the hen. The hen contributes the egg. But the pig is all in with the bacon. You know, there's, there's no... Yeah, but the, the pig can't half-heartedly give you some ham, some, some bacon along. Do you see the difference? So the, the hen contributes, but the, the pig is all in. I think that's a concept with Christianity. Um, being, being part of a, a community here at church is to be all in, uh, not to be just contributing, not to just understand what goes on in the church or to be on the emailing list, but actually understand the grace of God, to understand how he has, we are a redeemed people. We are not amazing people. We are saved sinners by the grace of God. And so we want to have, um, we want to encourage newcomers to understand the grace of God, to be uh, taught and discipled and educated that this is who we are, this is what makes us, us. And if you want to be part of our community, then let us, let, let, let us take you to the cross of Christ. Let's tell you about Jesus and his death on the cross in our place and so that's what makes us belong to one another. We need to be making disciples or else our, our churches get, get filled with people who are guessing. They guess what we, what we think, what we, what we believe. Uh, if, you, if you've been part of this church for, for a long, long time, then we need your help as much as, as, as the younger ones uh, to remember why did you come to church? What brings you here? Uh, and we, as a community, become disciple-makers. Forever training and teaching one another why we belong here and it's because of the grace of God. And of course, as we're discipling newer members of our church, we need ourselves not to be forgetting, not to lose sight of what it is that makes us a Christian church. It's by grace that we've been saved. In verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Tell your son, I do this, when, when your son asks you what, about the Passover meal, tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And in verse 14, in days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. We need to be discipling our children as well. Uh, and discipling one another. Now, as I talk about this area, I realise that not everyone has kids or has kids in the church, and so I really want you to be on board with me here. I'm not trying to isolate people in the church. As a church, we are the family of, of God, and so I do want to address parents who have children in their house, but I don't want everyone else to blank out and go, oh, here we go, we're talking about families again, and I'm not one of those. Please, I, I feel your pain if that's pain, but, be, but, but work with me. Our, our world is discipling our kids at, at a huge volume, massive. I don't know, um, you know, I grew up in the 80s, so I grew up pre-Facebook, pre-all the social media stuff. And, you know, you, you, you get discipled by the, by the world around us uh, hugely. But now, with, with kids having our smart, their smartphones, uh, it's, 
huge volume of input that the world is is teaching our children. It's and it's and it's unstoppable. You know, um, you can. We work really hard in our family to to mediate to moderate the technology. It's very difficult. It's very difficult, uh, and it, you could say it's unstoppable. So we need to disciple even harder. Uh, the, the input that's coming into our kids is massive, and so we need to be aware of that and and work all the more harder to help our children to see that this world offers a lot and delivers nothing. It offers a lot, it delivers nothing. And we need to teach our kids that and help them to see that. And so we, we give thanks and praise that this church employs Kirk. Uh, it's a wonderful um, privilege we have as a church to have a full-time youth and kids worker. And we need to partnership, be in partnership with him. He needs to be in partnership with, with families as, as we work together to, to help um, how to raise and disciple our children to understand the grace of God. I noticed in the text here, in chapter 13, verse 5, um, there's a, a recurring phrase that just it, you don't necessarily realise that, it, that, it, that it's recurring until maybe someone points it out to you. But 13, chapter 13, verse 5, when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites and Jebusites, the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey. You would observe the ceremony on this month. But the, that repetitive um, cycle of the Jebusites, Hittites, all the Vegemites, and, then, and, and into the land flowing with milk and honey. It's a memorable phrase. You know, the, the streams weren't filled with milk. That's, it's not a literal promise. Uh, and they ate more than honey. In fact, when they went in to check out the land, they brought back grapes. So you understand that this is a, this is a it's like the land's made of chocolate. We're going to a land made of chocolate. It's going to be amazing. But it's not that they're presenting a fake promise. It is a memorable line. It's like a little creed. And so as you see that text, uh, it, it was, uh, it's mentioned there. It's mentioned again. It was mentioned first in chapter 3, verse 8. It's mentioned again in 3.17. And it gets mentioned again and again in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. It, it, it's a recurring line to say, look what God is offering us. The world offers us so much stuff, but look what God is offering us. He's offering us eternal life through Jesus Christ. He's offering us a, a future where there's no more dying, no, no, no more crying, no more pain, no more tears, no more anxiety, a life forever, fully, with full joy forever. That's a great promise and one that God is not lying about. And so we, we need to uh, teach ourselves. Adults need discipling as much as kids. And, uh, and, and another thing to... To point out to you is, is chapter 13, verse 19. Sorry, my language. Uh, 13, 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear on oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones uh, with you from this place. What's that got to do with my point? Joseph had left a 400-year-old um, will. You know, one day Israel will be saved. And so literally for hundreds of years, the Hebrews were taught, remember the bones of Joseph. Remember the bones of Joseph. When we leave, don't forget the bones of Joseph. It's a, it's a little, it's a previous generation telling the future generation that we're heading to the promised land. Do you see, you see that? So there's a creed and there is a, 
uh, and there are older, there's a, an older, wiser generation telling the next generation, this is who you are, this is what you need to look out for. The same goes for us. What is the input that you're allowing God to have? I've, to- I've talked about our kids, but what, what, how much input are you allowing the world to give to you without the vigil, um, determined, disciplined critique of it all? What is the world trying to sell you and you are buying it? Adults, are you fully committed to the Lord? Are you fully committed? Uh, does it give you a joy to know that you are, you belong to Jesus, that he is your Lord, he's your saviour. When your children reach 18 or so, will they know what it means to be committed to Jesus because they have seen your commitment and that you have prioritised Bible reading, knowing God, prayer at home and even coming to church and youth groups and things like that. Has that been a a priority in your home or do other things take over and church gets the second rung as if something has popped up therefore church church is a quick throwaway i don't know that that's really you don't have to come to church to be a christian that's everyone knows that but why does church get the first boot when things pop up what are we teaching our children as is important uh, think about everything that goes on in your life, your entertainment, your sport, your holidays, your finances, your work hours, everything that you do in your life and, uh, and ask yourself is, am I communicating that this is how a Christian would approach this? Am I doing these things? Am I approaching, am I using all these uh, things in a way that honours God, that gives thanks to him that he has brought me out of darkness into a new life and I love this new life and I want my whole world to be driven by that understanding being a, being a Christian is an all-in faith. Friends, one more s- serious little line. At, at your funeral, will people even mention Jesus in connection to you? That is a really hard thing, to run funerals for Christian people and their friends, their family. They say all sorts of things about them, but they never mention that they loved Jesus. That is a, that is a, that's a thermometer right there. A measuring line. Well, let me give you encouragement. Uh, the, the, the challenge is, um, are you committed? Romans chapter 12, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in response to God's mercy, because you know about the grace of God, offer your, your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Commitment to God is your true and proper proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Don't be conformed, conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. It's a mental game. We educate ourselves. We hear the gospel and then we transform our lives in response to the gospel. But the, the third point is a really important point. So we've been, Israel has been fully saved. They need to be fully committed. But wonderfully, we're told that they are fully set, safe. They're kept fully safe. And this is, this is uh, the second part of the grace of God. God does not save us and then leave us alone. He doesn't save us and then say, I need you to be fully committed and good luck with that. 
He says, no, and I'm with you the whole way. I'll be with you the whole way. Uh, Verse 18, chapter 13, verse 18. So God led the the people around by, by the desert road toward the sea. So God led them. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. So, friends, they were ready for battle uh, as, they, as they left Egypt. When God saved Israel, he knew that they were off to a, for a life of obedience. He knew that this was a new nation and they were going to have to face many trials uh, in front of them in order, before they reached the promised land. So they leave Egypt ready for battle. Uh, it, the, the job is not completely over. But God led them. He took them along the way and he, and he leads them ready. Our Christian life is, is like this story of, of Israel. Uh, what we're doing really as we look at the Old Testament, we're seeing the nation of Israel and we're using this real historic event and this real historic nation as a, little, as a teaching tool for our individual journey, uh, individual and as a church. And so as God leads them out of slavery into freedom, he says there's work to be done. Uh, ready for battle, but he leads them, and he leads them by his spirit. Have a look at verses 21 and 22. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of of the people, it'd be wonderful, wouldn't it, to to come to uh, to come to God and then suddenly be given a pillar of cloud and a and a and a pillar of fire. And that's it. I know where to go now because I just need to follow Jesus. I need to follow this this physical thing everywhere. And we might feel jealous for Israel, but God has not left us alone. Uh, Jesus, as he prepared his disciples, he said, "I'm going to go away, but I need to go away, otherwise the counselor won't come to you." And uh, he sent his spirit into the hearts of every believer, that we are led by the spirit of God. And the spirit of God leads us through the word of God, through hearing God's word, being educated and understanding him, and therefore knowing, knowing the mind of God. Let me bring you to Romans chapter 8. Romans eight fourteen to 16. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You know, by, the Bible makes it clear to us that when we come to Christ, when we understand the gospel and receive Jesus... That itself is the work of the Holy Spirit. And so you have the Spirit of God in you when you are following Christ, when you, are, when you hear the gospel, truly understand the gospel and receive it. And the, the scriptures say that when we are struggling to, to work out what to do in our life, where to go, it's the Spirit that leads us. But can I encourage your friends, the Spirit doesn't just leave us, lead us in a vacuum. He leads us with the tools of the word of God, and with the fellowship of Christian brothers and sisters. Uh, we're not alone on this journey, and we, know, we can know where to go. We are kept fully safe. Our future is guaranteed because it is by him that we cry out, Abba, Father. Our very, late, very relationship with God uh, uh, is fed to us. The knowledge of our relationship with God is fed to us and fueled to us 
through the Spirit of God as he speaks to us. Friends, this, that is the, that's the sum of all things. Leaving Egypt behind. I want you to think about this for the rest of your day, the rest of this week. That's the, that's the memory hook. When Israel left Egypt, they left Egypt behind. They left Egypt fully. They were, fully, they were, they were to be fully committed to the Lord and the Lord did not leave them alone, did not leave them uh, on their own means, but he kept them safe. Fully saved, fully committed, fully safe. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the challenge this morning that when we come to Christ, you ask us, you call us uh, to give us our whole life as an act of worship. Lord, help us to be um, mindful of the great gift that you offer us in Jesus. And Lord, help us to be very conscious of the empty words of the world around us. Lord, we do pray for our next generation as they're in other rooms right now having their own uh, age-appropriate learning. I pray, Father, that you'd help them to grow and understand that Jesus loves them, that Jesus died for them, that his death on the cross is enough to save them. And Lord, that through Jesus' death on the cross, you bring us into a beautiful relationship with you where we can call you Father. Lord, help us to have this same simple and profound knowledge that we desire our children to have. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.